ask the Lord, always ask the Lord in the past, what is the word that you have for me to give for the new year? And uh, with Zach taking over the local duties, and I didn't have a preaching assignment yet to travel out, I know I've got to go to Mexico probably either at the end of March or the beginning of April, somewhere around there maybe. Uh, but I've got a couple other places I need to go besides that. Uh, Garland wants me to come back to New Orleans, and then uh, I need to go to Columbia, South Carolina, and, and even maybe down to Florida for Danny Santiago's church down there. And, uh, you know, I've got spiritual sons all over, and they're all varieties. Some are, have Dominican background, Puerto Rican background, Jamaican background. Uh, my co-pastor's father, when I was in Florida, hit on his father's side, he was Bohemian, and on his mother's side, he was from New Jersey. So then he ended up in South Florida. So uh, we've, we've had a variety, and of course, we've had other Spanish, Mexicans, and, and so on so forth, Cubans, and up here, I don't know what all you guys are, but you're something, you're something else, hallelujah, and uh, I always tell people I'm mixed up, you know, I'm Scott, I'm Irish, I'm English, uh, probably we have a little Norwegian, I think, when my brother did the DNA test, maybe a little French even, Pastor Ken, you probably didn't know that, come on, tell and we have Cherokee Indian as well. As uh, our grandmother's grandmother, that's a little ways back, was a full-blooded Cherokee Indian. But anyway, I can't speak any of those languages unless I'm speaking in the Holy Spirit. And I don't speak Spanish very well. Uh, I get enough just to get in trouble. But anyway... I'm going to try to do justice this morning to this message. And this is the word that the Lord gave me. He spoke it to my heart early in the week, and he said, this is the year of the evangelist. And I'm not talking about just the person in the fivefold, but this is a year for you to be a powerful witness of your salvation to others. And as you are, there are going to be many people come in and be saved. Uh, I will give the word of the Lord to you here in a few moments. But let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4. And i got my Bible all marked up here. But uh, in fact, 2 Timothy 1 through 4, I'm just going to read it off the screen then. It says, I charge you therefore before God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Did y'all hear that? Y'all preach the word, would you? Preach means to be divinely inspired to speak, so anybody can do that. But preach the word, be ready. That sounds like a military command there. Be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering 
and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. How many know that we all have some ministry to do? Ministry means service. When you do service for others, you reach out to others. That's what ministry is all about, when you're helping other people. And you don't have to be a five-fold ministry preacher that stands behind a pulpit to be able to be effective in ministering and sharing the Word of God. Now, he said some things here. He said that in these times that people aren't really wanting to hear the truth. And what they do is they heap up for themselves teachers that fit the bill for what they want that make it okay to do what they do. But the Word of God is the Word of God. Some people want to twist it, and they want to make it fit their own viewpoint. It's kind of like politics, isn't it? Politicians try to fit things to fit their own viewpoint. Uh, there's very, I shouldn't say that, there's, there's some preachers you should not trust. There's politicians that you should not trust. There are a lot of people that you shouldn't trust. Why? Because trust is earned, and it needs to be based on something. It needs to be based on a belief system that is based upon the truth. And the truth that I stand on is in the Bible. It's the Holy Word of God. You know, it's not in the Book of Mormon, or it's not in the Awake magazines of the Jehovah's Witness, uh, and they can be upset with me if they watch this but you know the truth is the truth and Jesus is not a God he wasn't Michael that came down from heaven as an archangel and then God made him his son to walk on the face of the earth he is the only was John 3 16 say he is the only begotten son of of God. And God is not just a God. The Hindus, I'm not just trying to jump all over everybody, but I've got to tell you the truth. Amen? Is it warm enough in here or are some of y'all cold? Okay, because I turned it down a little bit because it gets a little stuffy at first. But if it gets too cool, we could turn it up a couple degrees on this side over here. But if not, we'll keep going. Now, where was I? Somebody help me out. Hindus, okay, thank you. The Hindus, they believe that there are millions of gods and that if you are good enough, you can ascend to higher and higher planes when you go through reincarnation. I knew one guy that said that he had been a dog in one of his past lives. And he was telling somebody that. And he went and he, and he said, see, look, 
feel this bump on my head because I was chasing a, a cat and I ran into a parked car. Feel that bump on my head. <laughs> that was for your birthday. <laughs> but he said he was chasing a parked car, and that's why he had the knot on his head. I think he was a knothead was what he was, but, you know, just craziness. But anyway, let's go over to Luke chapter 8. I might get, well, I can do it from here. I was going to get Pastor Ken to help me, but. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on a rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. While he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. So, anyway, that is a parable. Jesus spoke in parables to the people. Actually, I believe in this occasion, he was in a boat, a fishing boat, out on the Sea of Galilee speaking, and his voice amplified over the waters so that the crowd could hear it. But they didn't understand what he was exactly saying. Now, we're going to see in Luke 8, 11 through 15. Let's look at those verses. And I believe that's supposed to be up there or in. Did, did Zach put that in, Terry? Yeah, okay. Well, no, I guess he didn't. He told me he was going to. Let me put my glasses on. And I'm going to read in verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Amen. And it says, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Amen. What? Okay, there it is. Well, now let me talk about that one so we can go back to the number one point, and I'll do them uh, like one seed at a time. But the first seed, it's dropped along the side of the road, and the devil comes and he steals it, and people won't believe to be saved. Now, what is salvation? Salvation is the word soteria in the original, or in the Greek, and it means to be Saved from your life of sin, the past. How many still make mistakes in your present? Okay. Then it also means to be saved in your present. And then it even means to be saved into your future. If you're sorry and repent it. You know, you got to ask God to forgive you and then repent. That means turn around 
and walk away from your sin in this direction so that when you do, you're showing God that you are obeying his commandments. All right? So that's, that is pretty strong, you know. But they couldn't be saved. Why is that? It's not because they didn't take the word of God. Man, people, they like the word of God. Most of it's pretty good. Like God is love. Perfect love cast out all fear. Uh, it says Jesus died on the cross so that you could be saved. Uh, it says by his stripes you are healed. Everybody likes to be healed. I've prayed for outright sinners and they've been healed of diseases and sicknesses. Prayed for a man with liver cancer, one of Stephanie's friends in South Florida. I did their wedding and the man got liver cancer and he wasn't saved. He was an alcoholic and she asked me to come pray for him. And I did. And first of all, I prayed that he accept Jesus, and he did. And then I prayed for him to be healed. I anointed him with oil. And he went down to Jackson uh, Memorial in downtown Miami, Ryder Trauma Center, and they did the surgery, and he got healed. She called me crying and laughing on the phone at the same time because a Jewish doctor came out and said, I don't understand, Mrs. Schaefer. Her name was Connie. And I told him, I said, I bet that doctor's going to come out and say he doesn't understand. Isn't that something? He came out and said, I don't understand it. When we opened you up, we could find no cancer in there, in your liver. Now, he didn't deserve it. He was a little bit of a rascal. He was. But you know what? He got saved, and he accepted Jesus, and then God healed him. Everybody likes it, but, you know, they lived down the Keys, and he didn't stick with it, and they ended up divorced. It wasn't the ending that I'd hoped to see. But a lot of people receive it, something out of the Word of God, and then they don't follow through. So the one that is alongside the road, that Word is right there in front of them, but the devil tries to rob them by taking that Word away before they can really consume it and take it into their hearts fully. And so... There was a, one of the guys got out of prison, came here, you know, one time years ago. He was so excited about coming here, and lo and behold, the next thing we know, it wasn't a short time, I don't know how many months, but he ended up in drugs again. And he got off on drugs, and he's been arrested a few times, he's been in jail a few times, and he's trying to keep doing it his way. What we call that in the 12 Steps? Somebody say it loud. Insanity. Why? Because doing the same thing over and over again, but you're, it doesn't mean you're going to get a different result. No, if you drink a case of beer, you're probably still going to get drunk. You know, If you use methamphetamine or cocaine, you're probably still going to get high. You know, If you get stopped by the cops and you've been getting high or drinking, then you're probably going to get a DUI. You know, it just stands to reason. Uh, but this young man, he just wouldn't come back and, and humble himself to get help in the church. You know, I do counsel people, by the way. I've been doing it for a long time. I do talk to people, and I share with them the word, and I share with them the truth. And I, sometimes I confront them lovingly. I don't have, there's no reason for me to get mad. 
that I confront them so that they will see the truth and that they'll wake up and know, and we always called it wake up and smell the coffee, you know. you got to wake up and know what the truth is, what you need to do. You know, you need help. A lot of people are not going to make it unless somebody's giving them a little help, coming alongside, grabbing an arm with them, and help them go a little bit farther. If you get farther, there's a chance you can go even farther after that. So that first seed, the devil comes and steals it away. Well, that man is still not in church. He's still going around the same mountain, just like the Israelites did in the wilderness. Forty years they went around that same mountain until one day, you know, of course they'd crossed the, the Red Sea, and I've been there. I saw the Red Sea personally, drank some Egyptian coffee down there. The stuff was so strong it'd make your eyeballs rattle. But anyway... You know, they crossed the Red Sea miraculously and then they still struggled and just wandered around, complaining and murmuring, not obeying God because they wouldn't believe that they could go into the promised land and conquer those enemies. How many knows if God sends you somewhere, He's going to send you with His authority and with His power? Let's go back to the next verse then. I think that'd be verse... Uh, Verse 13 says, But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in a time of temptation fall away. That's so true. Some people get the word, oh man, they're so happy, especially if there's a prophetic minister that gives them a word from heaven that encourages them that God has something special for their lives, well, they take that with joy. And they, I'm ready to run. But then they believe for a little while, but they depart when a time of testing comes, of temptation. I had a man, his name was Tom, down in South Florida. And Tom came in with me. Him and his wife, I hired her to work in the school, and he was an air conditioning guy. I, I was loaded with air conditioning guys in South Florida. I had a bunch of them there, and uh, Tom was one of them. He did air conditioners in our little buildings, and we uh, had him in some classes, and, you know, he never went very far in the classes. He didn't quite go far enough to get a license in the ministry. He came to me one day and said, well, Pastor, I'm going to be leaving the church. I said, well, why is that? He said, well, there's a brother, and I won't call his name because who knows who watches this program uh, long distance. But he said, so-and-so, he wants me to come and help him in his church. He wants me to be his associate pastor. Now, if you haven't completed very much in studies, and you haven't been fully discipled even with the pastor that you got saved under, why on earth would anybody want you to come be their associate pastor? If that pastor would have called me, I wouldn't have recommended him to be his associate pastor. I guess that's why he went to get it, the title before he came and told me. But he ended up leaving, and I'd see him at the ministerial meetings once in a while, and then all of a sudden he wasn't with that pastor anymore. And he and his wife weren't in church anywhere anymore. 
and they had kids. Now, he got pulled away. First of all, the other pastor found out how much he didn't know. The second thing is he had had some issues before and he got drawn away because of the testing and the temptations that come. A lot of the time, and see if you agree with me, a lot of the testings we go through has to do with money. Would you all agree? Say amen if you agree with that. You having money trouble, all of a sudden you're not so sure God is with you. But what Pastor Ken tell you, it's when you, when God knows he has your heart and you give out of your heart, most time the people like that, I know, they give more than their 10%, their tithe. They're giving to missions and they're giving to this ministry and this charity and so on. And the money just keeps flowing to them through jobs and better jobs and bonuses and commissions and sales and so on. They, they're blessed. But when you don't trust God to give him money, when he's promised he had opened the windows of heaven, then your trust doesn't go very far, see. Most of the time they want to use an excuse. Well, I, you can't trust that preacher with that money. Well, you're not giving it to the preacher, are you? No, you're giving offering as unto the Lord. And you're giving it to a church that is paying their bills and so on. And we do a lot of things, you know, to help people. But anyway, it's not about our church. Anyway, this man, Tom, drifted away. And the next thing I hear, his wife is having medical problems. And then the next thing I hear, Tom had gotten stopped for drinking and had a DUI. Then the next thing I hear, Tom and Carolyn gets divorced. And then the next thing I hear, after we moved up here a couple, two or three years, somebody went by the wife's house where her and the boys had gotten pretty well grown now. They're in their 19, 20, 21 stage. And a, a gang member came by and did a drive-by shooting in South Florida and killed one of the boys. Now, this kid used to be in our Christian school. But I'm showing you something. That see, they were full of joy when they first came. Oh, we want to serve in this church. We want to attend this church. We want to be committed. And then when the hard testing comes, see, the devil tried to fool you for one thing. The devil fooled him. That minister wasn't, didn't use a lot of wisdom when he said he could be his associate pastor. And that happened two times. <laughs> and this is the, the part about it. Let's go to the next verse. <laughs> In 14, Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. They get the word, Brother Nelson, but they don't produce any fruit. But they're looking for the riches. They're worried about life. And they're looking for pleasures. I've met a lot of ministers over my 40 years in the ministry. And you would know many of their names. Many of them 
have been on television. Some have passed away. Many of them have preached messages that are probably accurate in a lot of ways, but people take it like this. They take their word. I'm going to get rich. Now, I'll tell you, I gave, according to the Holy Spirit nudging me, $1,000 one time above our tithe. We couldn't really afford that, but I gave it. it you know, my wife, you know, she just went along with me because that's what we do. Two weeks later, we got a $23,000 check in the mail from somebody who loved us. I didn't tell the Lord to give me $23,000. I obeyed because he told me, if you'll give this, I'm going to bless you. Okay, whatever that means. There's been other times that we've given like that, and God has always blessed us beyond a salary, see? And uh, I believe because we tithed when we knew we were moving up here, I put my house for sale, and I'd put it up for sale a year before that, and it, it wouldn't sell for anything. But I put it up for sale, and within a week, we sold it for exactly what we were asking for. Now, this is then a few, about four or five years later. Then when the Lord let me know I could move here, because we had bought another one, I put that house up for sale, and we kept giving our tithes and offerings, and you know what happened? We sold it for an $80,000 profit. And then I bought a house here. Same week. That money went into my bank account. We wired money up here through the realtor. Janet Allen was my realtor then. And uh, I don't remember who else has done it, but anyway, the title company and all. And that money came. We wired it, and we put the money down we needed to get this house up here. I mean, it happened that fast, Sister Lois. But we had always been faithful to give. And the Lord spoke to me a long time ago and said, Give $30 above your tithe. Well, I began to do that, whether we thought we could afford it or not. When the Lord tells you something, if you do it, He will honor your obedience. Not, you shouldn't fear either. But you see, a lot of people preach, oh, if you give this, you get a Rolex watch. Or if you give this, you can drive a Bentley or a Rolls Royce like so-and-so. I won't call no names. But, you know, so on. And the pleasures of life. You can have your own cruise with all Christians on it. I'm not saying that would be a bad thing. But it's always pushing pleasures. It's always pushing riches. And people began to worry, how am I going to pay my taxes? How am I going to pay my utility bill? Do you know how many calls that I get every week? Do you all pay people's utility bills? And I have to tell them, well, we have paid some of the peoples in our church because the Bible says, help those who are of the household of faith. And uh, we have done that. But no, we don't pay utility bills to somebody I've never met before. What am I, the lotto? Yeah. No, we, we don't have money to pay everybody's utility bill. They'll call and say, do you pay people's rent? Well, I pay my house payment. 
And, uh, you know, I have paid the rent for somebody that's in our church that is committed here. Why? Because they're our family. We are Heartland Christian Family Church. If you're a part of our family and you're having difficulties, if we have it, we will do our best, best to help you. If we don't have it, and I have it, I've given out my own pocket because they're part of our family. But no, I don't help everybody pay their rent. My goodness, you know, what am I, the Southern Bank or something? <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not the benevolence fund for the whole area. I would like to help more people, and maybe one day God will bless us like that, and that'd be awesome, and have a counseling center where they can come. We can help them find out why they can't pay their rent anymore. We can help them find out why they're having difficulties, and then counsel them, help them pay a bill maybe, and help them get along. But this, there was another man in our church. He actually went through the ministry classes. His name was Jeff. And the same guy called him and now wanted him to leave our church and become his associate. This is the second one now. He come and told me. I said, well, you know what happened to Tom, don't you? <laughs> he said, yeah, but he, that's different. I can really, I can help this church. I said, well, I hope so. I bless you, go on your merry way. And so he went, and it wasn't long till he was not there. When people get embarrassed, they have a hard time coming back, although my arms are wide open. Yet he didn't come back, and then they moved off. And I don't know if they're still married. They might be. And his kids are here, there, and everywhere. But he's not in the ministry anymore. And he got concerned about worries, riches, pleasures of life. And so he didn't make it. I tried to disciple him. He went with me on a trip to Mexico, and he was down trying to cast a demon out of somebody, and they wouldn't leave. Well, you know what? Demons leave when you have the authority. You can cast demons out. I've cast many out of people. And so I went over there. They called me over there. He said, I need your help. And the Lord told me, you do what the Lord tells you. Now, in America, I'd have to ask the Lord twice because <laughs> people sue in America. But he said, slap that lady on the back ten times or seven times. I'm like, I slapped her every time I slapped her, a demon left. I slapped her and a demon left. I slapped her on the back and a demon left in the name of Jesus. I didn't have to ask its names or anything. I just kept slapping the snot out of this lady on her back. Those demons left her. She was set free. She was dirty. Her hair mussed up like she had been living under a bridge, you know. Homeless people need Jesus too, you know. The next night we came back. They were going to have these testimonies of what happened the night before. And this lady gets up and gives a testimony. She's dressed in a pretty yellow dress. Her hair was all fixed up. She had makeup on. I didn't know who she was. I said, Tino, I don't remember praying for that lady. He said, that was a lady you slapped on the back. <laughs> and she's telling them that when you slapped her on the back, you didn't know she had back trouble. 
and that every time you slap to those vertebrae start going into the right place until once you finished, not only was she set free from the demons, but she got her back adjusted and that her back was healed by the power of Jesus Christ. Now, like I said, in America, I'd ask, Lord, are you sure? You want me, let me get this lady sit up in the chair and I'll just put my hand on her back. But sometimes it's, it's an odd situation. But anyway, let's go to the fourth one, see what it says. Okay, verse 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Wow. And that's what we're talking about. You'll bear much fruit when you have patience. We had a young man come. I met him when he was seven years old. I gave him a ride on my motorcycle. He loved to pet my cocker spaniels. He had this little chubby face, and he smiled a lot, and he just thought Pastor Kevin was a cool guy. I was. But then, you know, he grew older, and every time I'd go visit his parents who were missionaries to Mexico, he would, I would pray for him, and sometimes he'd roar like a lion. Like that. And people thought he had a demon. I said, wait a minute. Kid, I don't feel like there's any demon in him. He's just breaking out. Sometimes people manifest some unusual things in a revival. Pastor Ken was telling me about down in Tampa where Rodney Howard Brown's ministry, they got revival breaking out with holy laughter again. And Richard Roberts was on TV and holy laughter was breaking out in his services. Now, holy laughter is not everything, but I'll tell you what, a merry heart does good like a medicine and you'll feel a lot better if you get to laughing a little bit. But anyway... I'd say, no, that's not demonic. He's just feeling the power of God, and he doesn't know what to do with it. He's just a kid. And I'd pray for him every time he'd want me to pray for him. And then he broke up with his girlfriend when he was about 22 years old or 21, and he decided to go to Bible college in Florida at Rodney Howard Brown's. It was called The River. And he went there, and he graduated. And then he calls me. And he said, Pastor Kevin, I have a girlfriend, but I'm not sure if she's the right one yet. I was wondering if I could come stay with you a little bit. I said, you can come stay as long as you want. He came here and stayed for about eight or nine months. His name is Isaac. And he lived with us. And he helped lead worship some over at the other building. And then when we first moved into this building, when we were in the fellowship hall with a crude stage and just some carpet running down the middle of the aisle and carpet up front, and uh, he and Zach and, and some of the young people were leading worship most of the time, and, and then finally he was ready to go back to the mission field. His dad had asked Jacob if he wanted to become the local pastor of the church in Aguas Calientes. That's Brother Tino I'm talking about. 
Jacob said no, he didn't feel like he was supposed to be the pastor. In fact, he moved to Foley, Alabama, and he has a thriving business now, and he owns several houses, and God is blessing him hands over fist with blessings. And Isaac told his dad, his dad said, well, Isaac, you know, he wasn't sure about Isaac. Isaac was like the wild man, you know. He was up half the night. They didn't know where he was. He had teenagers following him around everywhere. And they'd be out and going to taco stands and playing video games half the night, all kinds of stuff. But he got serious when he went to Bible college, and then he came to live with us. And so he asked him, said, do you want to pastor the church? Jacob said he doesn't want to. He said, yes, God wants me to pastor that church. And then he told Laura, he said, if you will come and live in Mexico with my parents for about a year or long enough that you know you can live here for the rest of your life, then I want to marry you. So she went down there. She became fluent in Spanish. Today they have three kids. She preaches fiery messages, and she is the administrator of their ministry, and she is dynamic. And Isaac is a house on fire, and that church is exploding with growth. And see, the same touch of God's on Isaac is on Zach. And Zach will break out like Isaac has, and that church in Aguas Calientes is exploding with growth right now. They're having two services on Sunday that they can hold about 400 in each service and it's just growing and growing and growing and he honors me as his father and the Lord as his pastor they give me plaques I don't know what I do with all these plaques I lay them down in my office they're in there you can come see them if you want but anyway he is doing this he's bearing much fruit I mean, that church, when Tina, Tina will go out of town for a month itinerating, come back, and the church would be back down to a little number. And finally, he's, he'd come back, and then some people come back. But the reality was, he couldn't do it doing it that way. So Isaac said, I'm going to stay here. He goes in and out once in a while, but he's got a team, and they are producing much fruit, and they've already sent a young man that is a worship leader down to Puerto Vallarta, and he has started another Christian Family Center, which is named after us, Christian Family Fellowship. You know, he's started another one. So it's going good, and it's producing much fruit. Isaac is a real evangelist and pastor. They see, we're not just going to lock ourselves in a little box. Jesus is not locked in a box, but we're to be an evangelist whenever we need to be. And Luke chapter 9, verse 62 says, let me see my time here, okay? It says, but Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. The one, the fourth seed, that took it in and committed themselves and bear fruit are the ones that put their hand to the plow and don't look back. 
They are working for the kingdom. In 1 and 2 of chapter 10, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's an awesome word right there. You know, I pray that God sends laborers into the harvest, you know, because it's so important that we get it. Now, I got it on my iPad, but I got it on paper too. I'm ready with either hand. Sean, won't you go up there and just play lightly behind this prophetic word? God gives a word to me every year about what's about to happen. This word is for the general body of Christ. Anybody who will lock in to what God's doing will see some results. And it's to Christian Family Fellowship International, the churches that are under our care in Mexico and Haiti in Central and South America, all over the United States, Texas, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Illinois, different places, Arkansas, got a new church that's up off the ground now in Texarkana, Texas. It's on the Texas side. They have Texarkana, Arkansas also. It's one big town, but this has started on the Texas side. Brother Caleb Cook. We got a lot of young families that are getting with it. Chris and Emmerick Martinez down in Columbia, South Carolina. Ellie is there and Mildred on fire in Raleigh, North Carolina. Just tremendous things happening. Brother Herman, Sister Mary Gutierrez in Brownsville. James and Linda Littleton in McAllen. And we have Doug and Janelle Meir ministering to the prisoners coming out of prison and in the prisons in uh, the Mission, Texas area. But there are just several churches, and I've had opportunity to influence others in different regions. But this is a word I feel God gave me, and I'm going to speak it forth to you. You can take it in, and if some of the leaders want a copy, I'll copy it for you later. But this is what God said. The Spirit of grace from the Lord Jesus Christ would have you to know that 2023 will be a new season for you and for me to cast our bread on the water and our nets into the sea of humanity to bring forth a catch of souls to the kingdom of God and also to have resources necessary to get the job done. This season our grace and mercy will be as a wave like an ocean wave of life and will cause a cleansing in the land. That's like the whole United States. There will be waves of conviction, love, peace, and joy that will grip the hearts of believers and unbelievers alike and cause a move of repentance, deliverance, and healing that will be in its totality more than all the other great moves of God that have been experienced in the last couple of centuries. 
Yes, for this will be known as the year of the evangelist, and with it will be likened to a hurricane of revival that will encapsulate the essence of all the previous moves of God in the past. For this season will be like no others, for the simple fact of its immensity and intensity. All the signs and wonders from the past moves will be a part of this move and more. Unbelievable works of healings and miracles will occur. There will be visions and dreams and prophecies that will happen as they are spoken. There will even be cities that will be consumed with it and become places of light and other cities that refuse to repent that will become full of darkness where people will fear to be. Many will run and drive to the light out of fear and find salvation for their souls. The move will start with simple acts of kindness and love and will have a domino effect as the anointing on these acts will be like a residue of anointing upon them. The escalation of worship and the tangible presence of God will break forth and much weeping and holy laughter will break out. Many will hear the angels singing and also be seen by many of the worshipers, especially children. Children are going to see angels. Those who have eyes to see and hear, ears to hear know what the Lord is doing. For the Lord will no longer tolerate religiosity in His presence and will bring judgment to the house of God that bears His name on their sign outside their doors. He will not be labeled, nor will He be placed in a box called denominationalism. He will not be a respecter of persons or of buildings with signs on them. The lukewarm will not be able to stay where the freedom of Jesus the Christ rules and reigns by His Holy Spirit. Seek Him while He may be found and trust and obey His Holy Word and follow His leading. This is the time to go into the highways and the byways to seek out the hurting and the wounded souls. If you would but believe the miracles, they will become a daily occurrence and function in the body of Christ. This is an hour for the destruction of the yokes of bondage, depressions, oppressions, and possessions by enemies of the cross. For the devil and his demons will have to flee from the presence of the Holy Spirit in the humble who know the power of resurrection and grace. Freedom will be the results of perfect love from Jesus the Christ that cast out all fears. The blessings will rain down with showers and sheets of the flow of God. No more will it be said that you cannot do something because you cannot afford it. The Spirit of Grace says that the mighty God will supply all needs for the kingdom not for pleasure or for luxurious living, but for the more than enough mentality for thriving and not just surviving. 
You will ask and quickly it will come to pass and be provided. Many are called, but few are chosen, and few will arise with miracle ministries. And people will say, is he not a common laborer? I will say he is my friend and son and warrior, for I am mighty and victorious, and lead him in his faith to battles and give him victories. He will be like a Gideon in the land with his 300. So step up and step into the flow of the river of my spirit and the power of my Father through the release of a tidal wave of loving power that will terrorize the enemy. Go, take the land, and enter into your promises. First, you receive your touch and replenish and be filled filled and healed. Step out and offer your life to God, and then he will offer his love through you. For the Lord is strong and mighty to the pulling down of all strongholds. Your faith has become your victory. The Spirit of grace says as you serve the Lord, he will protect you. Judgment has been in the house of the Lord, and now all over the world, the Lord is looking for a few chosen that will take the city. To the world, he would say, you are not worthy. And to the religious, he would say, you are not righteous. To the governments, he would say, your hypocrisy and your politics have not served the kingdom well, but have been a blight on the face of the nation, as it has brought thieves and robbers to plunder the people. The Lord will not tolerate this any longer as he says that exposure of your deeds will happen and you will not lead the apple of my eye any longer. The blood of the children cries out who were terminated, aborted. Hmm. And the Lord will hold the political responsible and they will be brought low. Only the humble will survive this purging. They can move or get moved out of the way and be replaced by the hand of the Lord. The Lord would say his thoughts are higher than your thoughts and his ways higher than your ways. I will cause the righteous to rise up who have honor, truth, and justice in their hearts. O church, watch and see this demonstration in the humble and in the faithful. This new day will break like a sunny day after the storms with revival of morals and principles that will honor the Lord. Amen. That is the shepherd's rod that God gave me. And I want you to know, then he spoke to me and said, I've given you victory in Jesus. Amen. And it made me think when I first became a coach in 1980 in a high school in New Orleans as a Christian school. And the football team would go out onto that field and they would sing this song. And they would sing the, the chorus, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he brought me with his redeeming blood 
He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. And that football team, I'd raise hair on the back of your neck hearing this 40-member football team run on the field singing that victory song. Well, it's still a victory song today, and it needs to be in our hearts. If you're interested and willing to serve God with all your heart, won't you just stand to your feet today? And I'll pray a blessing over all of you. Because God loves each and everyone here. And I'll ask just a couple of quick questions. How many need a breakthrough of finances? Raise a hand. Okay, I'm looking all over. Okay, put it down. Okay, how many need a breakthrough in family relationships? Whether it be cousins, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, whatever. And, and then how many need a breakthrough in your bodies physically? You need a touch from heaven. So put both hands up right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, we give you thanks and we give you glory because of what you have already done and what you have paid for by the blood of Jesus on the cross, by the stripes on his back at the whipping post. And Lord, and he resurrected from the dead and he lives forevermore and is at the right hand of the Father today. And he has power and authority that he has given unto those who will serve him and give their hearts to him. And I pray over these and all these hands that were raised, I bless them, Lord, as they obey you, that you flood their lives and their bank accounts with finances. I bless these, O oh God, that need to have relationships that were broken, to be mended and put back together, that you would touch family members, that you would draw them in this year into the kingdom of God and restore the breach that was there. And I pray, Lord, that you would touch their bodies by the stripes of Jesus. They are healed. The power of God's healing is present for them. And I ask you to flow to them and through them to become witnesses as the year of the evangelist is before us, that they would witness to the glory of God, your great power and love and kindness in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you believe that, say amen. Hallelujah. Lord bless you and keep you. You are the head not the tail. You are the blessed and not the cursed. You are the children of God. And you can take the word of God and speak it, for it is good and it won't return void. And go out into the community and do what God wants you to in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right. God bless you.